Yo, 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 what's going on? This is the Ville Radio Show. This is your man, Jay Julius. You know what I'm saying? Ville Church in the building, straight and narrow in the building. You already know what it is. I'm up here with the villains, you know what I'm saying? You rocking with us on 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. We about to jump into the Ville Radio Show. Um, y'all got some people up in here with me. I always got people up in here with me. I got my co-hosts, and then we got some guests. And you know when we bring guests, we bring the best. So you already know what it is. Yo, Shirt Dog, where you at, brother? Hey, uh, hey, Radio Land. I just got back from the Fire Festival. I had a <laughs> really fun time down there in tents and cheese sandwiches. Shout so, out to Ja Rule. Shout out to Ja Rule. Thanks for putting on a great event. Um, I was really happy that I spent $4,000 <laughs> to go to your festival. So see you next year, bud. <laughs> Most definitely. Philly Illies, where you at, my G? And you already know who it is. It's your boy. It's the smell. It's the snake in the grass. It's the diamond on the glass. And it's the Bible on the dash. It's your boy, Big Philly Illies. I make him say, oh, oh, two times. You already know how we do it, baby. It's the be already yo. Let's go. So check this out, listen. You know what I'm saying, people? That's uh, Big Phil. We're still working with HR to get him removed off the show. Lawyers are getting involved. It's crazy, but we're working on it, all right? And we got some guests in the building with us. Fellas, introduce yourself. <laughs> we from the second mile click. This yeah. is, uh, That's the second mile click up there. Meek and John. What up, what up, what up, y'all? Second mile ministries. Um, Yo, Jonathan, will you, tell, will you tell everybody what second mile is, where y'all are at, and what y'all do? So second mile, we're community-based ministry um, in the Brentwood neighborhood of Jacksonville, so north of downtown. Um, any way that we can represent Christ in that community, we try to, um, with community development ministry, and so we partner with all our schools, Jacksonville Housing Authority, um, any way that, you know, we can partner with people and work about well-being, we have a middle school ministry, elementary, high school, Nick is here, he leads the high school, so second round has been around 13 years, we depend upon the church at large um, to help volunteer. The Ville Church has been a major partner, uh, helping us down through the years, and so, or helping us for the last, yeah, past few years, I would say, and so, um, so it's been a good partnership, and so we're happy to be here today. Most definitely, right, most right. definitely. So listen, man, y'all ready to get into the show today? Oh, you ain't let my man Neek. Did you did you introduce? Yeah, yeah, Neek. You cut Neek off, Jay. You know what I'm saying? My bad. Go for it. He's the rapper too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What up, y'all? It's Neek Smith. High school program director for Second Mile Ministries, also a uh, Christian hip hop artist with uh, the Infantry Group. Um, salute to the whole the whole crew, Ishan, uh, Jeremiah, Jay Johnson, legend in hip hop. Uh, reflect Chris and uh, the the homie Hot Hands. He don't go by that no more, but that's what I call him. Kev. Yeah, I actually have an application into the Infantry Group. I haven't heard back yet. For the hip hop group, so I don't know if you got it, but uh, we got it. Oh, we just, you know, it's not gonna be accepted. I'm just let you know that. Right now. They don't. They no, don't hey, well, you know, I, I just want to advocate for uh, for Shirky a little bit, or whatever, when it comes to his rapping skills or whatever. Like you, we've done a track together. Well, yeah, we we we, had, we do have Christmas dog. in the Ville, that, whatever that with Big dope. Phil. He killed, he killed we it. killed that. Yeah, we, we went. What well, we what well, we knocked out like what almost like twenty thousand views in like you know like a couple days or something like yeah, yeah. twenty thousand views zero dollars yeah. of revenue. But it's but it's all we did it for the people though. Yeah, we did it for the people. But you you know what you spit a rhyme, you know what I'm saying. Earlier, I heard you kicking a little something whatever yeah. that you kicked in high school. You said yeah in high school. Can you? Can we get a little piece of that? Yeah, yeah, no. Because, yeah. you know what I'm saying? People don't be thinking white dudes can spit, but get to a shirt, dog. So just a reminder, I, I wrote this rap for like a talent high school show when I had braces. All right. Bust it. Yo, shirt dog in the building via 18 years old. My name is Jeremy. Do anything you dare me. Why are the ladies all so scared of me? Maybe because they all look fat when compared to me. I'm too hot to handle too thin for you to hold me. Gain some weight is what the doctor told me. I'm the only rapper out with an aluminum grill. If my rims won't bling, my braces will. Boom, 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 boom. That was beautiful. That is why. That was that was that was beautiful. Y'all need to cut him a deal. Yeah, I'm telling you. That is why. That white following is strong, brother. I'm telling you, better look, man. We put you on. Hey, come over to Worship Over Swag. We give you a 360 deal. 
get some of the real uh, check. I'm starting up a label too. I might have to put you down for real. You know what I'm so listen, man. Let's jump into the show really quick. Whatever, all my people out there, whatever. It's 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. You're rocking with the Ville Radio Show. Shout out to our supporters and to our sponsor, the Ville Church. You can check us out at theville.church. Um, you know what I'm saying? We do services every Sunday, 10:30 AM. I'm the pastor. Shirk Dog is the pastor. Philly Illies is the worship leader. Come hang out with us and, and come uh, worship the Lord with us. So check this out, though. This show, we've been in a series where we've been doing racism in the church for the past couple of weeks. Um, I think we're probably on like our fifth or sixth week or whatever. We'd be so busy, we won't even keep up with it. If you're out there and you've been rocking with us, we appreciate you. But you know, order is not always our, our, our strongest suit, but it's all good. We're still here every week. So, But this week, we're going to talk about Christianity, and we're going to talk about America, and how does this mix together, like the nationalizing of Christianity, mm. right? We saw a lot of this happening during the election where, like, you know, it's kind of this thing where um, the conversation just gets messy, like our kind of idolatry of our country and what it means to us gets actually equality with God himself. Um, that's kind of the messiness of the conversation we're pushing at. And, uh, and we're going to work through it because I think a lot of people are unaware when this is actually happening. I think they use this in a, like, I think we saw a lot of this, um, you know, even with like Kaepernick, for instance, trying to make a stance on, um, you know, Black Lives Matter and things like that, where people were like, you're being ant like, you know, you're being anti-American. And then it starts getting mixed into Christianity and like, you know, you're being anti-God or whatever and everything else. Um, and, and so I want to just get to some clear lines in the conversation and just discuss how we feel about it and how some people feel about it. You know what I'm saying? Is that yeah. fair enough? Ooh, yep. What do y'all, what do you, so let me just throw it on the table. What do you think about what I'm saying? Just that whole, that whole thing that is happening there. Um, you know, just like our, our idolatry in the church where we've mixed it with being American um, and, 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 it's almost like we can't get a give a clear defense for the gospel apart from defending what has happened historically in this country. So we can't call what has happened sin. So it even works itself into the race conversation because where we need to indict, you know what I'm saying, some of our forefathers and some of the historical narrative and call it blatant sin, we can't because then it undermines our, you know, America, you know, home of the brave and all all of our romanticism about that. Um, and it's just a, a weird kind of relationship there or whatever. So comments on that. Um, so. Neek Smith, first up the bat. I'm going to start by saying you know, I, I love, you know, I love living in this country. You better say that before you it's, start. It's the only one. It's the only one I know, first of all. Yeah. Right? You know, bleeds red, white, and blue. I'm, I'm from here. Uh, but secondly, I want to follow it up by saying I'm I'm not a patriot. Uh, I'm not patriotic. Can you define what um, that means? So, in in the sense that uh, I esteem I esteem America as say the greatest country of all time, or um, that there's a there's there's a sense of untouchability when it comes to uh, America and what you can't can and can't say about. Uh, America, as an American, uh, uh, for example, I typically don't celebrate Fourth of July. I, I typically, I, I really don't. Um, I'll, I'll go to like the cookouts or whatever to get food, but and, you know, because you know that's what black folks do. So that's not your. <laughs> but that's not your year of independence, is no, what you're saying. So it, it wasn't an independent celebration for black people. I mean. If we're being historically honest and truthful, um, black people were, were slaves. Now, granted, there were you know freed black people who fought in the uh, during the uh, American Revolution, um, but at, as a whole, you know, we we were not free. So, in, in that sense, like um, I'm, that's what I mean when I say I'm, I'm not a, a patriot or I'm not what white evangelicals consider a patriot. If, if that makes sense. So I will say things um, that some white evangelicals will be like, that's un-American. I'm like, I'm cool with that because uh, I'm a Christian. 
right? There are, there are things that are American that are anti-Christianity, and we should not be amening them. Um, my, my best friend, so he, he's a unique character, so he, he's uh, biracial. He's, he's half white, half Puerto Rican. And uh, he, was part, he used to work for this church that uh, went to, he went to a conference. And the, one of the books, one of the free books they were giving out was titled Pastor and Patriot. And it had, it had like a constitution and I forgot what it had on it. It was like George Washington or something on there. It was either George Washington or Thomas Jefferson, one, one of the two. I'm like, pastor and patriot. And you have the Constitution and a known slave owner on the cover of the book. Yeah. Like, that's like that's a blind spot to a lot of white evangelicals. Like, your patriotism includes racism. It, it cannot be separated from racism because it has a, it has a racist origin. So, it like... I'm American in the sense that I hold the I, I hold to the values of our Constitution uh, for the most part, anyway, a, a lot of it, um, but not in the sense of if you do not hold your hand over your heart during the uh, during the national anthem that you're un-American. Like I, you oh know, boy, we got to call I'm, Kaepernick on this one. So I'm, I'm yeah, <laughs> uh, and you know I, I've never really done that anyway before I had a view on it you know I just stood there yeah so I you know I didn't take my hat off you know I wear hats everywhere I go as Jonathan um so that you know that I've I've I was never raised to have that view first of all you know I'm from rural I'm from rural South Carolina you know I saw a Klan rally when I was four years old so what was American about that you know anyway I, I that was my long-winded response. I'll let somebody else speak now. You, I just want to comment on something you just said right there. You said your, patri your patriotism can't be separated from your racism because it has a racist origin. Yes. Um, I think you're defining, like, that's you're hitting dead on what we want to talk about just subject-wise or whatever. Like, when I hear that, because I feel the exact same way, like, what people really are doing when they're, they're trying to defend their Christianity and their 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 pairing it or giving the equality with patriotism. To me, they're actually um, walking in the blindness of our forefathers, and like they're they're actually committing and perpetuating the same exact sin. The reason we look back and have a grievance with the narrative for them, it's like the narrative is great. It's what established our country and it's beautiful and everything else. And I think there are elements in it that are redeemable. Um, and we could be thankful for, but that's more about the sovereignty of God, which brings us to the today and we're alive and everything else. Less, ab less about the heart that was actually in the initiative. Because in the initiative of establishing this country, we as African Americans weren't even, at one point, we weren't even considered human. And then when we got even a piece of dignity, we literally only got a piece of it and we're what? What, three-fifths? Was it? It's, yeah, or Every third... Every slave counted as three fourths of the population, and that was to that was to make voting fair. So we weren't North. even deemed as a full human when somebody thought they were now blessing us with our God-given right as humans made in the image of God. We weren't even given the full dignity of being a human. That has really never been really resolved. And I, I, like, and when I say that, I think a lot of people will argue and they go, "No, things are different." Yeah. But clearly, statistically, it hasn't been resolved so, in people's yeah. hearts in the way that yeah. you would have to um, re re restore somebody's dignity. It's it's clear in the biases that are shown in anything that has to do when it comes to African Americans applying for jobs. Yeah. Um, if you have a black name, you're not getting the job. If you're a black teen and you get arrested, you're just nine times more likely to get charged as an adult. If you if you get a drug charge, if you get stopped with marijuana, you're more than 50 percent likely to get arrested. Where with a white kid, it's like, hey man, we don't want this on your record or whatever. So there's these biases where we still have not been humanized fully, but you can't. 
how can you ever start dealing with them if you won't go back to the historical narrative? But this patriotic thing has been keeping us from having a real conversation. And I, I don't know if you all saw the article. This is uh, probably about a week and a half ago. Georgetown actually, um, you know, made the confession. And uh, in the article as well, it said every Ivy League school except for Columbia um, depended upon the sale of slaves to maintain their schools. Um, so Georgetown, you know, Roman Catholic tradition, um, I think they said they, there was a, the record of selling 270 at one time to keep the school open. Georgetown, um, the university. Like, like Patrick Ewing, Georgetown. So uh, Georgetown, Allen Iverson, Georgetown. where predominantly black athletes. Yeah. That's, the, that's part of the history. So I think what they did is they named a hall <laughs> after, in honor of those slaves. But I'm like, no, that like, that, that work, that can't, why can't you, why can't you let 27,000 black kids go to your school for free? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's, I don't know. And, and like to think like every single Ivy League school, I think they said except Columbia, they're, that's just Ivy League has some record of depending upon the sale of slaves so that the institution could stay open. So, like, I, I built the school. Yep. I mean, I <laughs> you know, my ancestors wow. built the school. So, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't, I, you know what I mean? So, so I, I do, I, like, that's, that's the part that, that is, it's hard, but I think for, you know, a segment is it's so hard. And you can, you, when you talk about religion in general in America, there's so many segments of people who, who have the, the, um, the burden of bearing the pain. Um, and then, but those who have been the perpetrators still have the power. Like I watched, a, um, and it was, it was very disturbing. I, it, it deeply disturbed me. Um, is it Louis C.K.? Louis C.K.? Yeah. Louis C.K. did the video. If y'all could, if you could look, it's, it's kind of disturbing, but I guess we're on now. So, but he did a video on Roman Catholicism, and it was kind of like one of those Stephen Colbert. I thought he was serious. I thought he was gonna be like, I thought he was gonna make mockery of it, but like at the end. But he did like one of those um, Stephen Colbert kind of interviews where they act like, you know what I mean? You're, you're in, a, <laughs> in a room and you you kind of mix the situation. But he was, it was basically like. The Roman Catholic Church existence is so that it could have sexual relations with little boys. Like it, like it was, but he was like, was vile because he could do it with straight face. But the painful thing is a lot of that's truthfulness that there, there are a lot of people who had to suffer sexual abuse and yet the Catholic, Roman Catholic Church, and I'm not, you know what I mean, it's, I don't always want a broad brush, but I mean, it's, they still have the power today. You know what I mean? So you, you, can, you can define how much grace you want to measure out. When really you should be like, it, I don't know. It, Tell it, man. So, no, well, so, <laughs> because that's what I think, you know, a, a, you know, he talks about, you know, earlier about opinion. You know, so sometimes my, I don't know, at that point, my, my opinion is probably isn't the most well-formed. That's the factual part is that sexual abuse has been levied and, you know, and justice wasn't carried out. And what justice was carried out was only on the terms of the perpetrator, not really on the hands of the victim. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, what would it be like for Georgetown, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Brown, Penn, to say, let the victims determine not that you can ever be totally healed, but determine what justice looks like. So uh, I think, I want to say you brought this up before and we were discussing it. And, you know, Zacchaeus, you know, he, he didn't just, like, apologize for his sins. Like, he made recompense. Like, he, like, what I gave, what, four times what four I took? Times, yeah. I gave four times. Like, he told this Jesus, like, he ran up to him, like, you know. Anybody I've wronged, I've given back four times what I took. And, like, 
you get the argument, you know, that wasn't me, that wasn't me. I, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're still benefiting from what was done. And I'm still reaping the consequences from what was done to, to my ancestors, right? So, like, the first college graduate in my family is my older cousin. You know, my, my grandmother couldn't go to a, a school that was accredited. She had to walk to school. My, two of my great aunts who died when I was a teenager in their 90s, they were teachers for over 40 years. Right? They had to teach for another 20 years after integration just so they could get paid retirement. Because before that, they were teaching in churches. Right. So like they and that was that was 30, 40, 50 years ago. That wasn't 200 years ago. That was in the that was in the 1900s. That was in the, the 50s and 60s. When they were teaching. Right. So like. You know, your ancestors like um, my, my coworker talks about this like like his family had a plot of land that was given to them by the government years ago that black people could not get because they were black and with that his I think he said his dad was able to go to college off of the money from that land yeah right we had, I, you know, my, my mother had to file for bankruptcy to put my sister through school. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. she, she didn't, like, my father had to join the Navy to get out of my hometown. Yeah. To, to make a living. Yeah. So there's these real, there's these real, there's, it hurts when somebody won't look at the narrative, yeah. for real, because yeah. there's so much into it. And when they blanket it with this patriotic thing, it's like, I can't do that. Like, there's too much going on that you won't look at on this side. Yeah. One of the things that I wanted to say, too, is that, and it's kind of taking this, this conversation a different direction, but when you think about, like, you think about the historical narrative of this country, and I think we could generalize that most blacks are completely suspect of it. And when I say most blacks, I'm, I'm, I mean blacks in general, but let's say black evangelicals, right? Mm. Inside, they're really suspect of it, don't trust it. Even if they're not even fully educated about the history and know all the details, they know there's a lot of bull crap going on with all the stories, right? And then on the side of white evangelicals, this story has been romanticized and it's like, man, this is our, our history, our heritage. We forged this great country. Um, yeah, I know there's some ugly stuff in it, and there's slavery in it. It's in the past and everything else, right? And so I think when we often look at these stories, somebody has to be the bad guy in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us blacks, um, at, you know, whites, they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, the, they're the bad people in it. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're the bad guy. Um, and so most definitely there's sin in the middle of that. But if we really want to raise up on top of this, and if we even want to look to the future for fixing it, what we have to, I think, be sober about is the fact that Satan is playing a really, really gangster game of cards with us, right? Mm -hmm. So that romanticizing that is happening with white America, Mm. it's really meant to actually, um, stomp on the cross mm. on the work that God would do to unify and call yeah, us into yeah. relationship with them. It's meant to um, defile the gospel for us to be able to throw our fist in the air and scream Jesus, liken it to, uh, you know, our Americanism or whatever we want to call that. And, but at the same time, be completely be um, walking in opposition of what he calls us to love each other. Like he says, love God with all your heart. Right. And then he says, and esteem your neighbor higher than yourself. Mm. We're not doing that. Yeah. Haven't been doing it. The plan we forged was never even built on that. We weren't even considered humans. And like they, they couldn't even come to um, 
and you know, to 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 something solid concerning that. We just simply were never humans. And so I think like a lot of what I've been thinking about lately when I would think about these conversations is how do we approach that with compassion to even whites for the sake of the gospel? Because like what's really gonna like let's say we let's say we scream and yell and get our point across as African Americans and people realize it. We still have to press forward with the gospel, which re- which saves, right? So I just been thinking, like God, how do I disciple the people in my church, the white people, about bringing like you know the sin, the 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 truth concerning their sin, and how do I disciple African Americans to lead with mercy, grace, long suffering, the tools, Bible, the the Word of God gives us. To really push through really ugly, ugly things because we know how gut-wrenching this is. Some days I can talk like I'm talking right now. Other days I'm running around flipping over tables. Other days I'm sitting at my house crying because I feel so um, humiliated in this conversation. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, when I think about Jesus on the cross, dying for our sins, being the King of kings and Lord of lords, coming down here to get spit on and die for people who are actually his enemies Mm -hmm. and he says i'm the example that you're supposed to follow it makes me it makes me uh swallow my pride and be like who am i to uh complain about being called into servitude this way and it's a beautiful thing so it's like i'm lately i just been like god how do i take this call to serve you in such crazy circumstances for real. It means I got to definitely move forward with some serious forgiveness yeah. and a serious hope. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think about um, post-resurrection. Um, so it's Acts 1. You know, the, whoever it was amongst that group, they're like, Jesus, when is this restoration of the kingdom? Mm. And, you know, that was like of that human kingdom of Israel. And that was a deep issue for them, you know, a deep issue. Some, some suppose that that's the main reason maybe Judas jumped off the bandwagon is when he found out Jesus was not intending to become the radical mm. human king that would restore the kingdom. And, I, and it's hard because, uh, and so Jesus goes on to say, um, it's something like, it's, you know, the times are, is not, that's not my, you know, sometimes God knows that, you know, it's, it's on the agenda, but that's not what, what I'm calling you to do. And so sometimes that's the hard part is like God calling you to, to follow, still follow him, trust him that he knows the issues, but being diligent to accomplish his will. I heard a pastor say this, um, I was at a church and he talked about, it was a predominantly black church, and he talked about the gospel, white, whites needing the gospel. Mm. There's enough people on your job who are going through divorce, who are yeah. broken families, who they need to be objects of God's love, of the gospel. Um, that while this other narrative of injustice is going on, there's this other narrative like that the gospel is still powerful. And from an individual perspective, even from a church perspective, you can accomplish a lot because need doesn't necessarily know any color. Mm. Um, I mean, you have other structures that are in place. So it's being able to focus on those lens and what the gospel accomplishes. Um, because the, the hard thing is, if you do get stuck on the other lens it does it it, it 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 can harden your heart i mean i i have so much respect for dr king because you know I, there's one writer he says he says sometimes i had to fight tooth and nail to not be bitter yeah like he was like i had to think about anything yeah you know um mandela you know you know some people look at him like oh he's a sellout well you know i, I want i wanted to go to those meetings <laughs> and just cause war but it takes that kind of person to see a bigger, grander vision, yeah. you know, of the beloved community, you know, and not fall prey because the reality is sin is not race. 
we'll hurt each other. You know, pe- brothers will hurt each other. Yeah. Family will hurt each other. Um, and so it's kind of always keeping that tension. And I really do think, like, African-American Christians have a great opportunity because, um, I mean, I've, I've, you know, at seminary campus run into Korean brothers like, oh, I love gospel or I love, you know what I mean? Um, so, so many who identify with that testimony. And so being able to, like, see, man, well, there's, you're part of this narrative to go into the ends of the earth. You know, so what does that look like? I mean, I look at, uh, at Second Mile, us as more as missionaries, you know, than like um, the church every day or something like, I don't know. I'm kind of hard to put language about it, but I think a lot of that is kind of just reshaping the vision and mission. Like, like you, you've been called to, you know, to, to, to serve this, and we've been empowered by his Holy Spirit, you know, to spread the gospel, to stay. So, so staying in that, in that lane, but trusting God, like, he knows, and that's not easy. I'm not saying that's easy. I, yeah. I, I, I'm number one. I wrestle with that a lot, but trusting him to yeah. stay true to the mission while trusting him with, you know, with the social issues that are real. Yeah, you, you know, I, I, I think you're right. Like, I think a lot of times when we think about this mission, when we look at, when we survey the land and we look at the brokenness that's happening in this country uh, with racism and even in the church, all the pieces that play a part, it, it's a it's a huge it's 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 a Goliath, you know what I'm saying? And um, but God is with us, and I think we forget that a lot of times. And then because we forget it, we start coming up with it's like with David, he wouldn't put on the sword and all these things that fit him, that you know to go to war with. You know what I'm saying? Like God gave him the stones, like homie, use the stones, and I'm with you, and that's how you're gonna rock. And um, pun intended on that's how we gonna rock. But anyway, um, thank you. you. Saw that. Yeah. And I so, heard that. but like we 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 accept the foolish armor. And so we have all these weird things we do or whatever in these conversations or whatever that aren't really effective. Like we don't exercise biblical love, selfless love. And um, it makes me think about something like this week I was speaking at this conference and one of the girls in the crowd, you know, they were doing campus ministry. And she was just like, man, she's like, I just feel so defeated and she was like, you know, I feel like a straight up like punching bag. You know what I'm saying? And she was like, you know, I just, I just don't know if I could take this. And I said, well, I said, yo, you know, the Bible's called you, says we're called to suffer as uh, good soldiers of Christ. I said, it says that we're going we're gonna to suffer. There's going to be trials and tribulations. And we got eternity waiting on us. And, and no eye has seen, no ears heard or whatever, what that's going to be like. But it's going to be beautiful. But why are you here? Suffering's the game or whatever, right? And I said, so... Sounds like you being a good punching bag. I said, don't it feel a lot better when you actually know you're a punching bag? I said, you getting beat up? So you getting you doing God's work, girlfriend. That's it. You in the game. You know what I'm saying? And like, we don't think about it. It's like we're trying to protect these um, um, American comforts or the dignity we think we're afforded um, in our Americanism, as opposed to the dignity that we're called to from being children of God, which is suffering is our inheritance and eternity is our our uh you know eternal bliss with the father is our inheritance on that side of the game but right now man we we overwhelm the world by laying our life down by dying to ourselves like it's no longer us that lives but to live is christ what does christ's love look like in this circumstance like you know i'm saying him with the woman at the well or whatever, you know what I'm saying? The Good Samaritan story, overwhelming all of these social dynamics through the love of God and it proving to be powerful. That's why I like what you even like, in Shell- like that's why I like celebrate Martin Luther King so much because I think about the circumstances of his time and his heart still being like, yo, we all lose. White people, like I'm, I'm not just fighting for black people, I'm fighting for white people too because we actually all lose because Satan wins. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, Shirk Dog, please jump in on this, brother. Like, what's cracking over there? Well, I was, I was actually thinking what, what Big Phil was thinking. He's over there. They're so connected, he knows what Phil With, is thinking yeah, all the big time. Big puppy eyes. Yeah. He's sad. All right. So, the original question is, is this a Christian nation? No, I don't think so. Because people say the founding fathers are Christian. And it's like, where are they? Yeah. Thomas Jefferson's Bible. Where are they? But... I will say this. I don't know if y'all know this. I'm related to Thomas, Thomas Jefferson. Is that crazy? Uh, no, it's not crazy. Go ahead. He's, he's my great, 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 <laughs> yeah. whatever grandfather. My, like so for real. My child. So my childhood best friend, 
black dude, mm-hmm. uh, is also a grandson of Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, get your, I, get he was your cousin, man. He was he <laughs> was my he was my grandmother's neighbor. We grew up together since we were three years old. Uh, his name is Daryl Jefferson. He's got oh. a cousin, me. But uh, uh, it's my neighbor's cousin. <laughs> but not so. Uh, an interesting story. Uh, his his grandfather, his great grandfather, was a guy named Hasek Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Um, and he owned all of the land in my grandmother's neighborhood. He um, he died at about a hundred. I knew Mr. Hasek. He was still driving in his nineties. Mm-hmm. He still had his driver's license. Um, he like a couple months after he stopped driving, that's when he died. But uh, couldn't take it. Love driving. I, I guess so. But he he was he was one of the only land black landowners in my hometown, mm. and he bought he bought that land in I don't know, it had to be the forties. It's crazy. Um, so that you know that's when you say that that's a, a really interesting story. But you know uh, his yeah. his Stockholm syndrome mistress. <laughs> uh, Sally White. Yeah, uh, Sally, is it White? What, what was her last name? She, he can yeah. finish his story though. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Well, so, yeah, my history of my family. Sally Hemming, sorry. Sally Hemming. So. <laughs> Lord, Lord. Phil, Phil, you all right over there? Yeah. You all right? Anyway, so basically my, the, my family is the Williamsons, and then above that is the Shacklefords. Shacklefords. I'm sure it has nothing to do with slavery. Maybe not. Maybe not. And then past that is the Jeffersons. So that's that route. So my family is really connected to America. Wow. Like, they love America. And, I mean, through the the tree, you know, they're really high up in the University of Georgia when it got started. And so big into Georgia. My grandparents are from Augusta, Georgia, and all this stuff. So the question is, is America a Christian nation? I don't think so. I think pretty much everyone can agree at this point. If we're biblically speaking, we're not a Christian nation. Um, But on the flip side, is America the worst nation? I definitely don't think so. I think I'd want to live in America over many, many, many other nations and I think part of that is the democracy set in place. Now, this is my own opinion, and feel free to tear it apart. But I think only because America is a democracy, we could have gone from slavery to where we are now, which isn't perfect by any means, and it's still jacked up. But there is progression because there's not, like, technical slavery, technical in the Constitution, you know, three-fourths, whatever – and so I think that there is some Fish. hope that if we, the people, come together, we can do that, um, that says something. Like, would I rather live in America than under Sharia law in the Middle East? Yes. Would I rather live in America than under a dictator like Kim Jong-un in North Korea? 100%. Because you can't be a Christian without getting thrown into a, sl- uh, a slave entrapment camp and die there from starvation. So... There's things going on in the world where I'm, like, counting my blessings because I'm living in, uh, quote, unquote, uh, democracy. Now, this is the balance. This is why it's all convoluted, and I don't know how to, like, balance it all because, again, my family has been a benefactor of the power structures that be in this country. Mm. And I'm trying to think, and I can't put words into my African-American brothers and sisters' mouths, but... It seemingly, even with the oppression and systems stacked against you now, and I think we've actually talked about this in a show like a long time ago, I would rather, if I was African-American, and this means nothing because I'm not, so I don't know, rather live in America than as a, you know, as a Christian than in many other places in the world because it literally is a death sentence. Like, you're going to die. And so I don't know what you guys think about that. So I, that opens up a bunch of worms, I'm sure. Yeah. So so one this is this is one of my things or whatever like I th- so I think that you 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 definitely hit it from a white person's perspective. Because when like if you if, if we say something like if we're celebrating the country and how far it's come um um or counting our blessings, I think we're going to quantify that way different 
mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. than a white person will. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So it's like, yes. so you can say, man, it's a democracy and that's awesome because we've been able to come so far. Most definitely, I can agree with that. But where I'm going to actually land in the conversation or, or, or let me say what you're going to jump over is the reality of actually where we still like the, the how gut wrenching of what every day still feels like, like mm-hmm. what it still feels like in the workplace, what it still feels like with our kids in school. Like my like my my like my kids just got their progress reports yesterday. And my oldest daughter, like when she looked at the progress reports, like she was just like, like we we just my family feels the teachers are racist. My daughter feels her teachers are racist. The little kids, yeah. but it, like they don't, and they don't even have a language for it. They don't say racist. They don't use that word. But they're like, my teacher treats me different than everybody else, yeah. and we don't help them learn the word racist. They just, we still haven't developed that but we know what it is. We know what it is when we go to even go to the classroom and have, you know, sit down with the teachers to talk about the way they talk to us and the way they treat us versus when somebody else walks up. And so, so I think the way we, we have to fight for our dignity in it, like the war we still, we are in just in regular, I mean, come on, man, like we live in a nice, a decent neighborhood and all that. And it's and, and so it's not even magnified on certain levels. Like I have certain privileges that people are like, man, you know, it's awesome. You have a, a freaking awesome card. You're a different type of black. However they play whatever that game is. But still, I feel like a carpet. And so it's hard to celebrate even the advancement of the narrative. There's definitely a gratefulness before God to be in this country. And I think Neek started off with that. But like. I think if you don't if you don't hold on to what the daily struggle is in this country, like yeah. when you say it, then um, then I think that we miss a lot of chance for coming together heart wise. Yeah, and and and, I, and that's the it's, that's a it's just one of the results of the different narratives that yeah. how we how we see like where where you where like you have to be mindful to not be forgetful or where it comes with a lot of listening and i also have to be mindful that i understand that white people are enjoy are are having a different narrative on a daily basis mm-hmm. so like my frustrations don't turn us into enemies and we can talk work through it give each other credibility yeah you know that type of thing like and, how do we do that and this is where i disagree from a lot of white evangelicals like mm. i know that there's a bunch of churches in our city that, well, like Neek said, 4th of July comes around, and they'll drop like a 100-foot American flag in the backdrop. Yeah. <laughs> and then they'll be singing, not hymns, but like American songs, like patriotic songs. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, that to me is so ridiculous and so crazy and so anti-gospel. Yeah. It, it infuriates me. Man, look. Well, I've always said that. Low key patriotism. I mean, patriotism is low key racism. You know what I'm saying? Um, I've always been the guy that's stood on that because, just like what Neve said at the beginning, I think you just nailed it. You can't separate the two because it's a part of the origin of what patriotism uh, patriotism mm-hmm. really is. So I've always been that guy. Um, um, you know, too that just stood. You know, as a child, I used to put my hand on my heart. When I heard the, you know, when I pledged of allegiance, mm. did the Star Spangled Banner and all those different things, but then when I found out that they put me in certain programs, or they when I found out that I was an at-risk youth, mm-hmm. when, I, when I hadn't even done a thing at all, like. Like that, like that was very traumatizing to me, and you know, I don't even like that term. Like a lot of people, a lot of people don't know what that does to young people, man. Like it, I still remember that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. When they called me back and felt the need to take me to the jail to visit the jail as a part of my field trip, and they don't know that they (laughs) like, and they don't know that they psychologically implanted said to me that this is where I belong. And then they said, and then they give you statistics on how they build jailhouses. Yeah. So when they give you statistics on how they build jailhouses, they said, they said we build rooms for every uh, uh, black um, inner city kid that drops out of school. 
So if we build, if we if we build a prison with forty thousand because we did a census in this part of the region of the country, and these many black kids are dropping out of school. So that's how we build our prison. Mm. Like you don't really realize how psychologically you are, you're just planting that stuff into the minds of a kid. You know what I'm saying? And so I've always been, um, um, you know, that guy. Um, I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud to be a black American. Um, I'm not proud to be American. I'm not standing behind being American like the great land of the free home of the brave. I'm just proud that God placed me in a place to where I can make a difference among those that think there's already been a difference. Yeah. So that's what I strive to do. Um, um, I've been fooled, been, been bamboozled half of my life. And when I when I became of age and I look around and I started being able to just to look at how things were done and how programs were put in place and how they really thought of me is when I began to try to take a notice of my own life at that moment. So Christian nation, no, absolutely not. Uh, blessed to be here, yes, but, um, you know, I've just never been the guy that... Um, that's been a that's been so big on land of the free home of the brave. So something with that too is like, just yep. We always talk about the historical narrative part, mm. and yeah, that's really important. But I don't think you even need to know the historical narrative. Well, let me back up. Since coming to the Ville and being here and seeing like more and more the plight of African Americans in America, you can look presently and know yeah. it's not the land of the free. That, yeah, that's so, that's how yeah. my oh, you got it. so that's how that's how my best friend like came up out of his slumber. I'll, I'll put it that way, because we used to go at, like you know his you know big his his father. So talk about his dad real quick. So his his dad is like the hardest working man I've ever met in my life. Like dude is seventy and won't, won't slow down for nothing. Like. That's like a monitor in his heart and all that stuff. He he's he's not slowing down for nothing. Um, wakes up early every morning, goes to sleep late every night. He's that type of guy. He's a decorated. He's a war hero. Like he's a captain, you know, uh, in the Marines. You know, he's a Marine, so he has like the flagpole in his front yard. Um, you know, very 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 proud to to be an American. Very proud to be in a Marine. Um, he's also, you know, a Christian too. Um, so b being his son, right? So, and even though my boy, shout out to Scott, he's, he's biracial. You can look at his complexion and tell he's not fully white, but outside of that, like he still holds that position. Like I think he, he's white. You, yeah. You, you, you would talk to him. He, you'd be like, oh, this is just a regular white dude. But shout out to my man Scott. That's the one that did the old night video. There we Children. go. Shout oh. out to Scott. But I remember, so Scott was uh, me and Scott were uh, working with youth at this church, this church plant, and Scott was preaching one Sunday. And I, I, I walk in the entrance, like so. Just imagine walking in the entrance of that church, and Scott is being mic'd up, so he's being helped out with his mic, making sure everything's working perfectly. And I walk in, and you know, y'all know me. Y'all see how I dress. Um, it's real urban. It's real black. I had to snap back on, just like You're I do. You're wearing now. all black. I am. Yeah. Um, so I walk in, and the, one of the greeters like steps in front of me as to stop my forward motion. He goes, "How you doing? You in the right place?" And Scott, ten feet away from me, <laughs> no lie, Scott, ten feet away from me. He looks, his mouth drops to the floor, and he just like slaps the top of his forehead. Like, did he really just say that? I think I think that was like a turning point because we used to go at it. I'm like, yeah, man. I'm like, Independence Day ain't for us. Like, what do you mean? It's not for you know. Well, I think that was a turning point for him. And I remember him texting me. He was like, bro, like, America does not care about black people. And I was like, welcome to the party. Uh, but personally, I believe every black Christian should have an honorary PhD in long suffering. 
Straight up. <laughs> like, like for real, it's like there is a lot of patience that goes into being black and Christian. I'm a, and I'm a Presbyterian, so like I ain't got no choice but to be around white people. You're a like, double PhD. Yeah. Yes. yes. So you got a, a triple OG PhD. So <laughs> triple OG OG. The what was this? I think it was last night, actually. So last night, me and my wife, we went out to eat. Yesterday was my birthday. Um, and we're coming up Main Street. I, I, normally, I go off MLK to get home. We live off Pearl. Um, and we're coming up Pearl, or coming up Main, and we turn on Pearl. And, you know, Brentwood, Pearl is the heart of Brentwood. But we're, on, we, you know, we're in the south part of Pearl Street in downtown. So Liz looks up, and she's like, what street are we on? I'm like, Pearl Street, and I just start laughing. I'm like, it's a world of difference, isn't it? Because you see all these nice historic, like <laughs> remodeled, mm-hmm. two hundred something, three hundred something thousand dollar homes, and then you get to our part of Pearl, and it's completely different. And I'm like, man, can you imagine? Like, there are Christians who live within a mile of Brentwood who've never stepped foot into Brentwood on the same street. I'm like, my neighborhood, like in, pres- in the present day, my neighborhood is the proverbial uh, Samaritan that was left for dead on the side of the road. Yeah. Because, you know, 95, Interstate 95 is the other side of the street that the priest and the Levite crossed to, 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 to as to avoid it. Like, that's what people do. So, uh, so you're right. You don't have to go back. 100 years, 200 years, 300 years to, to look at the plight of, of black America. But so, I, like, with my thing, too, it's like, yeah, so with the home of the brave, we, like, most white people would disagree with that because most white people don't have actual relationship with black people. True so it's indeed. easy for them to be like, yeah, it's You don't free. have to. Yeah. You don't have to. And so you don't. Yeah. Like, because it's really hard. You have to give up a lot to do that. Yeah. And, and, and you can just believe the narrative that you see on TV and all the lies Bro. and believe that's what it actually well, is and never have to be responsible to dig into it. And you can stand across the street well, and then act like you have a Ph.D. on black America. Well, that's why I say you have to go. That's why I say most white people need to visit the, or, the historical origin because they'll stand back and say, hey, I don't have these kind of feelings. I didn't do any of these things, especially if you got a military man that served and put his life on the line for this country. And that's mm. what I want to talk about. He's, he's yeah. going he's gonna to be like, hell no, that's not me. I don't know. Like that, this, and, and I'm not going to let you talk about my country that I fought for. Exactly. And I'm going to say, hey, I appreciate you fighting for this country. And my, what pe- I want you and my people fought for it too. Absolutely. Bled and got and hung for got while hung they for fought it. for it. And what I want you to know is, is that you... The, the same military that you come out of wouldn't let black men go get their pilot's license. They couldn't sleep in the same bunkers. And, and then, I know one, late, the, one of the first ladies who flew a plane had to go to another country mm-hmm. to get her license. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So I ain't taking nothing from you. I need you to visit the origin of how this country was built so you can understand that your patriotism is corrupt. Yeah, and grieve it with me Absolutely. so we can now... Find unity yeah, and heart yeah, to go yeah. forward. Sometimes, that's the, just quickly, the thing I, I um, there's been a lot of narratives being told in movies lately, but it's always a disconnect. Like, like as an African, I, I have difficulty watching them because I can easily connect it with my mm. history and who I am as a person. But they're always painted in such a way that America never connects. That oh, that is us. Yep. You know, yep. it's always still like oh, that was bad. Ma- the, the, the sitcom MASH, white folk love MASH. MASH is one of the most racist sitcoms that will ever be. I don't care what nobody says. <laughs> you, 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 so, so, fellas, check this out real quick. We're coming to the end of our time, and I want to just flip this a, another direction really, really quick. Um, I want to stay on topic but go a different angle or whatever. I think it's important we say this real quick because I think a lot of people, um, they'll misunderstand this, especially if they jump in certain parts. We're not... We're not saying we're not grateful for our country. We're tremendously grateful. Because if somebody comes against this country, all of us going to be side by side. I don't care. I'm standing next to skinheads, busting off shots, doing whatever we got to do to defend this country. So we will protect it with our life. 
But what we're saying is that, you know what I'm saying, somebody done dropped some nasty stuff in the Kool-Aid or whatever, yeah. and we need to be very real about it because it's keeping us from unity in this country, right? It's betraying us because we won't tell the truth about the, the, the sin, and we won't esteem um, people as humans in the conversation, right? We all bring something to the table to get to where we need to go to go forward. But this, act, this idea of being patriotic, it's actually been used to perpetuate so many evils, right? And one of the things I think about is mass incarceration. I think about when you look back, I guess that's in the 80s, and you have Hillary Clinton calling us blacks super predators, right? And then you have the Republicans with a run, and their whole run is this patriotic push to fight for this country, and they take yeah, office yeah. by demonizing African Americans, and you have all the patri patriotic people wrapped in the American flag in our country who don't know us, don't talk to us, have believed this false narrative, and they say lock them up, and the laws keep getting worse and worse. You have the same amount of cocaine. You have laws that are, are twisted, that are aimed at incarcerating African Americans. So you could be black, and you actually get... Um, you, you, you get charged the same amount a, a white person would for having 20 times the amount of cocaine for one crack rock. That's right. One crack rock. And that was aimed at certain communities and neighborhoods because now you could push them and send them into prison. And when you send them in prison, this is our new form of slavery where now you're inside of the prison and the government's giving money for every inmate that hits the jail cell. We, what's the statistics like for how many people we incarcerate? It, like we are beyond any country. Yeah, we're at like two million, I think, over two million. It's it's, it's something yeah. insane. Just the, the statistics, even from the next closest country, and I think on average it's like thirty eight thousand dollars to incarcerate somebody. Yeah, yeah. You it, give, it's, it's you get three quarters of the people a good job and thirty eight thousand dollar job. It's, it's that's that's it's, a four year degree. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But my point that I really want to make is that. These pushes, like the push to make that happen and to perpetuate that and to, and to push it through from a law standpoint where it's so hard to undo in this present day, it's been done under the, the guise of patriotism. Mm. That's what everybody stepped to the, to, the, to the podium and ran for office with. And then even then you had Clinton come in and, and the Democrats couldn't get in office, so then they ran crazy hard with it. And they were like, yo, we locking up crime. But blacks were the face of crime. Mm. So, th like, there's another, like, patriotism that we haven't discussed, especially being in the South. And that's, you know, that the, the, the rebel patriotism yeah. that you see. Like, you know, the this is our heritage patriot. Like, you, you know, you ain't got to go far. You can mm -hmm. just go outside and see a Confederate flag. Yeah. So that's that's another thing. Like you, we're on you're, Confederate Street right now. Yeah. yeah we, we, on, we, we are literally on Confederate, Confederate Street. Confederate and Liberty Liberty Street. and Confederate. <laughs> the irony. But it's, it's like, like you're literally holding a flag of treason and you're calling me unpatriotic or calling Colin Kaepernick unpatriotic for kneeling during the national anthem. But you're holding a symbol of treason against this country. Like you literally seceded. You, like you believe in your state, which seceded from the union. Like, well, let's not even talk. Let's not anyway. just talk about the flag. Let's talk about how Robert E. Lee, predominantly black. Andrew Jackson, predominantly black. Nathan B. Forrest, which we mm. just got changed. Oh, racist. Yeah. What are these black kids sitting in schools for, named after these? Racist, Americanized, patriotic heroes. Governors, political leaders, Andrew heroes. Jackson. We got statues all through our city. Jacksonville, like it's named after Andrew Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, and, and so, like, yo, come on, man. Like, what's where, where's where's our dignity in that? Like, where 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 are we on the totem pole? Of I mean, being... what's Christian about that? What what does mm. the gospel say, and what does yeah. the Bible say? pertaining to these actions and these things that were carried out yeah. to colonize and to marginalize people. The cross was safe for us to tear it down. And that's not a message for black Americans. That's a message for all Americans. It's a message for black, white people and every color in between. Like, we...
Somebody said Jeff Davis. Yo, we can. Come on, straight up, for real. It's all day, all day long. Listen, we at the end of the joint right here, whatever, but please keep these conversations going. It's the Bill Radio Show. You rocking with us, you know what I'm saying? 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. Yo, thank you to our guests, Nick Smith, Jonathan Blackburn. Second Mile, find out about Second Mile if you don't know, whatever, down in the Brentwood neighborhood. Amazing organization serving the community. Um, plenty of opportunities to come serve too if you're looking for somewhere like, you know what I'm saying? Stop trying to figure out how to serve. Hit them up on the phone and just come do something, whatever. And uh, we truly appreciate that. Cool. Yo, we love y'all. Peace. The Bill Radio Show. Peace. All at us. You.